Amen and amen and amen. If you have your Bible with you or an electronic device with your Bible on it, let's hold that up together. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand powerful Word of God. can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, let's build a bridge. (laughs) Start a new series today called The Bridges, or The Bridge. I I keep wanting to pluralize it, but The Bridge. And what that means is, in our lives, we need to build bridges in relationships. Today, I want us to talk about the church. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 42 and kind of work down through verse 47. So with those Bibles or electronic devices that you held up, would you turn there? And also your uh, outline, your fill-in outline is in the bulletin. So if you uh, want to fill in the blanks, uh, that's there for you. Um, I'm going to give you ten points today. Normally preachers do three points. They take 10 minutes a point. That gives them a 30-minute sermon. I have 10, so I have two minutes per point (laughs) to make my point. The uh, sound folks have told me we're cutting you off at 20. So (laughs) I'm going to do my best to get there. So uh, batten down the hatches and hold on, and here we go. But by way of introduction, let me say this. During his ministry, Jesus said that he would build his church. In Matthew 16, he said, And I also say to you that, are, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, it wasn't Peter that he was building the rock on, or the church on. It was on the statement that Peter made, and that is, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the rock. So he built the church off of that premise. And so, with the preaching of the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2, If you go back to the verse 38 and 37, 36, you see where the conviction came. And they asked him, what should we do, brothers? And he says in 38, repent and be baptized. Everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the church began that day. Gladly they received the Word of God. In fact, 3,000 people that day were baptized into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I used to just focus on what verse 42 teaches, which are the four pillars of the church. But as I continue to read and study, I realize that there's more. There's more things that this first century church devoted themselves to. And so those are the ten. And so strap down and strap in and put it on your seatbelt and here we go. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state, after I tell you what they're devoted to, then I'm going to talk about their devotion, and then I'm going to talk about does that same devotion show up in us today on each point. So I've got to to get through it in two minutes of shot. Here we go. Number one is they devoted to the apostles' doctrine in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Jesus expected people When you think about their devotion, he expected people to accept their teachings. John 13, 20 is a verse I want you to circle on your outline. I want you to read it later. 
It says, uh, 13.20, I'm sorry, I said 30. 13.20, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So he expected people to hear them and hear him at the same time. Much like you today. You expect to hear God instead of me. You don't want Harold to say anything. You want Harold to be the spokesman for God. Amen? I have a plaque that I, or a little saying that I always repeat to myself when I come up here to, to preach, and that is, Sir, we would see Jesus today. You don't need to see me. You need to see Jesus. And if you'll see Jesus, then you'll see something that will change you and someone who will change you. But he gave the apostles also a guide, according to John 16. And that guide was the Holy Spirit. He said, soon one will come after me and he will lead you and guide you and teach you. Let the Holy Spirit do that in your life. Well, I just don't believe the Holy Spirit's ever done that to me, preacher. Well, he probably has. You just didn't recognize it. You see, every time you get a new insight in Scripture, guess who prompted you there? The Holy Spirit. Whenever you feel, you know, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a long time, that's the Holy Spirit prodding you and pricking you and wanting you to do that, wanting you to reach out and to do that into a person's life. And then the third thing about their devotion about the apostles' doctrine is that the apostles' word was to be received just like it was God's word, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 37. Again, circle that verse, read it later, make it apply to this. So how does that apply to us today? How, how are we looking in our devotion to that? Well, many churches today, they just simply are allowing society and the trends of our culture to replace the Word of God. I mean, this latest go-round of the target decision to open every bathroom to anybody that wants to use whatever bathroom. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Businesses are telling North Carolina, we won't come here anymore. Okay. You know, if you were born a certain way, you ought to use that bathroom. It's just that simple. They have family bathrooms in every business I've ever been in. Just go in that one. I like to go in that one. Nobody's in there, and it's bigger than the others. Yeah. And I'm big enough to be a family, so I just go in there. But when, when it comes to abortion or the LGBT uh, issues and well, we could just name others. Uh, I ran across something this week that just touched my heart. It's called the baby box. And what they do is they, they for instance, if we had one, we'd cut it a hole in this wall so there's an outside door. And a mother who wants to, who can't raise a baby and knows they can't raise a baby can walk up to that door, open that door, put the baby in that door, and within five minutes the EMTs will be here to get that baby and get that baby to safety and get that baby to a place of adoption. And I just, I, I don't, I'm just so touched by that. I'm going to find out about it. I don't know how much those cost. I don't really care. God, God knows. He'll take care of that. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I just need half a calf. That's it. And we can do it. You see, we only, we only can't do it because we don't believe we can do it. So, I'm, I'm looking into that, so if you know about it, boy, I'd, I'd, let me know. I'd, I'd like, to, like to have information about that. 
But churches today are allowing the culture to tell us what to say. We're allowing the government to shut preachers up. Sorry. I may have to go to jail. I hope you'll come visit me down at David L. Moss. But maybe they'll have a preacher section at David L. Moss. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Preacher section at the jail. Hmm, that's interesting. Oh, never mind. Okay. But, you know, we need to heed Christ. We need to listen to the Word of God. And these people, Peter was telling these people, listen to the teaching of Scripture. Jesus was saying, listen to the teaching of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 2, Thessalonians 2.15 would be a, a great verse there. And if we're to be the true church of Christ, if we're to be that, we should be emulating this first century church in Jerusalem. We should be looking like it, acting like it, and devoting ourselves to be like it. Let's go to number two. They devoted themselves to spiritual fellowship. Also there in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now, how about their devotion? What, what did that look like? Well, godly people were being delighted to share spiritual blessings. In Psalm 122.1, it talks about that. You know, we should be ready to, to share spiritual blessings. I appreciated what Jeff said this morning. By the way, thank you as the parent of one of those children who's a recipient. Actually, three of them were recipients of your generosity. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for investing in him. I mean, he's turned out pretty good thanks to his mom. He's done pretty good. And I'm proud of all three of them. But godly people have always delighted in spiritual sharing. You're that way. If I stand before you and I give you a need, I've never seen you not yet try to meet that need. You've done it. I remember a guy walked in off the street. Do you remember this? He was mad at the world. Sit back in that corner to my left. He was mad at the world and just blurted out that, well, I'm looking for some some help. <laughs> so we helped him. I think we took up 300 bucks that day for him. Never had thank you, never said boo, just took the money and left. We did our part, didn't we? That's when him and God now how he spent that money. But you know, that's, that's the kind of people you've been, and I love you for it. And we should also, and they also shared in the assembling together. It was critical to their spiritual well-being, and it is to ours according to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. But what about today? What kind of devotion are we showing? You know, many Christians today don't allow many things to hinder their assembling. But we, many, many are allowing things to hinder their, their, their gathering together. It could be sports. It could be fun. It could be travel. It could be whatever. We need to never forget to assemble with fellow, uh, fellow believers and in those that believe like we believe. And the name outside the church building won't always be the same because they're still going to believe in the same Jesus that you and I believe in. But we need to lift that up, don't we? Let's don't run from it. Let's don't criticize it. Let's lift it up. Got plenty of criticism today. Plenty of it. And we need to set our priorities straight. Jesus said in Matthew 6 to uh, set those priorities in line. Seek first the kingdom of God. First! Not second, not third, if I have time. Seek first the kingdom of God. So get up out of bed and get to church. Get your kids to church. Come on. Haul them in here. Well, they don't want to come. Well, put them in a headlock and drag them in there. I don't know what you need to do. 
But get them here. Get them here. A true church will be made up of members who value that principle of assembling and sharing in spiritual things. Leads us to number three. They are devoted to breaking bread. And again in verse 42, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And third, the breaking of bread. Now, let's talk about their devotion to that. In the context, it would suggest this refers to the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. And it's a type of fellowship. One of the things that I have discovered about this phrase, breaking of bread, they were so often gathering together in a home to share a meal together. And at a time during the meal, they would pause and they would have the Lord's Supper to remember the Lord. Because he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so they were very devoted to doing that. In fact, Jesus himself instituted the, the Last Supper. And according to Acts 20 and verse 7, the early church observed it weekly. 1 Corinthians 11 teaches us the significance of it. You know, when it says examine yourself, what it means is if you don't believe this, don't take it. If you don't really believe this, don't take it. You're taking it in the wrong way. But how about today? Sadly, many churches do not observe communion on a regular basis. They may do it monthly. They may do it semi-annually. They may do it annually. They may not do it at all. The bigger the church, the more cost is involved in putting grape juice and bread in, in trays. A lot of them don't pass it through the service anymore. They have them on the sides. If you want to take it, it's over there for you. Okay. And I'd want to go over there every Sunday. And I want to be a part of it because I, I spend that time, and I'm so glad our church does it every week. And I, do, I just take that time to get reconnected to God. And I hope you'll do the same thing. That's what it's for, is to reconnect us, to remember what He did for us. And then others allow many things to hinder the observance of the Lord's Supper, family, jobs, recreation. But the true, true church... Church found in the first century, it will provide weekly opportunities for you to partake of that. I, I just love the fact that we have it every week. But he says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So if you want to do it less frequent than every week, that's, that's your, your choice. But man, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity. Number four, they devoted steadfast themselves to steadfastly to prayer. Look at again at verse 42. They continue steadfastly the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking bread, and in prayers. Now, how, how were they devoted to that? Well, Jesus taught his disciples to pray and to not lose heart in Luke 11, verses 1 through 4. He now serves as our high priest to whom we can pray. In Hebrews 4, we can approach him, it says, with confidence. We can come boldly before the throne of God in prayer. How do I know we're a, we're a praying church? Is when we see things happen. Oh, there's several that pray. There's a few that pray even more fervently than the rest. But what would happen if we dedicated ourselves for 30 days to pray fervently to the throne of Almighty God? What might happen? I bet there wouldn't be many empty seats in here. That's the sad part to me on church every Sunday is when we come in, there's empty seats. You know, the kids get up and walk back, man, we, wow. We didn't fill them up with adults. We had 91 here just a few weeks ago. That means we had 70 in here. 
Well, the kids left. We outnumbered them that day. You should see them when they come in and we've cut the donuts in half. They don't know what to do. <laughs> Trying to control the sugar content that gets put in their body. You remember that Sunday they were bouncing off the wall? It's because they ate all the donuts <laughs> in a five-minute span. One of them looked like he had onion rings stuck on his arm. <laughs> But if we desire to be that true church, that first century church, then we need to be people of prayer. And we need to really pray. I love to come up here early on Sundays and I walk the building and I pray for everything in this building. I'll go pray at the baptistry and I'll pray that today somebody moves that water today. I'll, I'll stand where the musicians sing and then I'll go and touch the piano and then I'll sit here for a moment and then I go by every pew in here uh, every row in here and I pray for who you are sitting on that seat I go to every classroom door I go to the fellowship hall I go all over this building praying praying, praying, praying you can come join me if you want I'd love to have you but you got to come early <laughs> you got to come early number five they devoted themselves to brotherly love Let's pick it up at verse 40, 44. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. So see, they were devoted to brotherly love. And what did that look like to them? Well, it, it's demonstrated in our text in in. in uh, chapter 2, but if you jump over to chapter 4, verses 32 to 35, you're going to see that it, it, it's restated there. Such love was a sign of true discipleship, according to John 13. Other churches had similar love for their brethren, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. How are we looking today? We are to love one another passionately, according to 1 Peter 1, 22, that we're going to that's our memory verse, right? We're supposed to love each other with passion. In dire circumstances, according to 1 John 3, would we be willing to emulate those early disciples? What would happen if somebody's house burned down? Would we do something about it? Or would we just simply say, hmm, well, sorry about that, man. Well, they're not in our church, so I hope that insurance. Last night I went to a banquet for Good Samaritan Health Services. Oh my goodness, was I ever touched by that time. Not only did they provide a fantastic meal, but just the testimonies. And now they're reaching out. They are not funded by the government. That's what makes them really special. They are funded tr strictly by people's gifts to them. And the people that they serve are homeless or indigent or can't afford to go get health care. They've even tried to help people get enrolled in Obamacare. And when they get enrolled in Obamacare, they realize that they have the deductible so high they couldn't afford that either. These folks are just doing a marvelous work. It's an amazing work. And the first thing they'll do is pray for you. One of the testimonies on video last night was a gentleman that was just having a hard time. He was overly anxious, and he came to the clinic, and they, he got into the clinic, and he got into the room back there, and his blood pressure, they couldn't get his blood pressure to come down because he was so anxious about being there. 
the doctors and the nurses all stopped, came around, got around him, laid hands on him, and prayed till he calmed down. That's amazing, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to go see a doctor or a nurse? The first thing they're going to do is pray for you. Yeah, I would. When I had my shoulder operated on, the doctor came in and said, Well, I always pray with my patient before I operate. Because I was laying there thinking, Who prays for the preacher? Geneva came, so I thought, oh, that's good enough. Okay. But then when the doctor did that, we were all taken aback. Now, the guy that did my knee, I don't think he prayed for me at all. He may not mess with my knee anymore. Or the next time, I'm going to say, before you cut on me, I want you to pray for me. Make sure I'm awake. I don't want you to tell me you did and you didn't. Good Catholic boy that he is. Number six, they devoted themselves daily to service. Look at verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. What did that look like uh, in that first century? Look at that phrase. They're continuing daily. Daily they were looking for ways to serve each other. Daily they were doing that service. Daily. You know, there's things that always need to be done around the church. There's weeds that need to be pulled in flower beds. Nobody likes to pull weeds, I've discovered. Nobody likes to do it. But plenty like to criticize that you got weeds outside. Preacher, you need to pull the weeds. I said, I'll get to it. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. We need that. We've got an old steeple that's just peeling back. It looks nasty up there. Somebody get some wood and go fix the steeple. Well, it's high up off the ground. Okay. Put a little kid up there to do it, not you. Lean the ladder up against the roof. I'll bet you there'll be 20 of them up there on top of the roof. Daily service. They also got daily additions from their service. Because it says the, in, in verse 47, it says, And God added to their number daily those being saved. But how are we doing? We serve the Lord every week? Do we have at least one thing we do every week for the Lord and for His church? Do we? Huh? Well, every fourth Wednesday, I go down to John 3.16 with you guys and serve God. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. But how about the flower beds again? Just a small thing. Just a little thing. Do we include each other in, in our serving? Hebrews 3 is a great verse for that. A true New Testament church will emulate that first church and they'll do service daily among its members. Number seven, they devoted to purposeful unity. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. One mind. They were in unity. Notice that phrase, with one accord or with one mind. They were united in their worship and in their concern. The, the sort of unity for which Jesus prayed for in John 17. They demonstrated it. How about us? Do we demonstrate that unity that, that I can't wait to get with you? How? Last night they said uh, that uh, the uh, good, good, shepherd, uh, good, shepherd, good Samaritan group is kind of like the, the uh, cheers of the hospital uh, movement. You know, that's what our church is like. Everybody calls you by name here. I, I, I wish I could write clever verses and put something together with that theme song. Wouldn't that be fun? Where everybody knows your name. Boom, boom, boom. That'd be great. We could sing it every week. Boom, 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 boom. It would be fun. 
And, and the next time somebody walks in that we know, hey, Norm, I don't know what his name is, just call him Norm. It's okay. Some of you are going, what's he talking about? Oh, get, man. Anyway, so how are we doing on unity? How are we doing? Are we open-minded or we have one purpose, one work? Are we joyful and humble at the same time? Do we have an attitude of service? Do we have an attitude of love? Do we have an attitude that says, man, I can't wait to see you? First church was like that. We ought to be like that. Number eight, they're devoted to joyful simplicity. Joyful simplicity. One mind in the temple. Breaking bread from house to house. Taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. That phrase, with gladness and sincerity of heart. That word sincerity involves humility. And it's associated with the simplicity of life. Don't think you're, don't think you're so sharp that you're dull. <laughs> Don't think that you got it all together when you don't. Just realize that we're all working together. We're just, we're just God's people, forgiven of our sins, just doing life together. Amen? That's what we're trying to do. That's why I titled the message today, Doing Life Together. Living Life Together. Because we are. But have we learned contentment? Are we content to, to be where we are? I mean, if you've got a lot of stuff... Fantastic. Some guy some uh, in the NFL draft the other, the other day, a player was uh, videotaped two years ago with smoking a marijuana bong, I guess it was. But all they could talk about was how many millions of dollars that cost him for being a later round draft pick than when he should have gone. They said it cost him about $10 million. Ten million dollars for a clown that puts on a face mask with shoulder pads on him? Ten million dollars? Wow! We need that boy tithing at the church house. Amen? Hey, I'll just take one paycheck. Tithe that check? See what we could do with that? I mean, what's a, what's a young man who's 22 years old need with ten million dollars? Trouble. That's why they all end up broke at the end of the game. I'm still pulling for Derek to make it, though. Because I know what kind of young man he is. Because, see, his dad won't (laughs) get away with that. You ever seen a picture of his dad? His dad's a rough-looking guy. He is. Every time I see his picture... He's smiling. I think that ain't a smile. That's a that's a gnarl in there. And boy, he raised some good kids. He raised a good one right back there. Yeah, look at Paige. Yeah. Are we content? First church was. It consisted of people who were rich for poor, and they just loved each other and they didn't care. If they had a lot, they gave a lot. If they didn't have a lot, they'd receive what they could, but they'd give back. It's time, talent, and treasures, isn't it? You're not always going to have treasure to give. We'll give you time and your talent. It can make a difference in a person's life. Number nine, devoted to praising God. Look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. You know, despite their difficulties, this first century church lived their lives praising God. Much like the old Saints of the Old Covenant in Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. 
They learned to praise the Lord in the midst of struggle, in the midst of difficulty. They still learned to praise the Lord. Because if you'll praise the Lord, you'll make it through whatever you're facing at that moment. Remember the old song the Imperials used to sing when you're up against a struggle? Praise the Lord. Yep, that's the key. Just praise the Lord. Don't worry about the... Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution and the solution to Jesus Christ in your life. Well, what if I die, preacher? You win! (laughs) You're supposed to die! So you win! Amen? I'll wait. All right. It ought to be a jump stand up. Hallelujah. Delight. How are we doing? Are we delighting in our opportunities to praise God? See, and everybody does that differently. Some people have no problem with outward expression, and that's fantastic. And that's what I love about our church. You want them to do it. I love these little guys in the front. Boy, they'll start to move their feet and act like they're dancing. One of them throws her hands up. You can't see her because she's so little, but she's throwing her hands up. That's good. Praise the Lord. And then there's others that don't do that. They may have their arms crossed and look like they're ready to kill somebody. But inside, you know what's going on. You know what's going on. And every now and then you'll see a smile. Every now and then you'll see a head do this. You know what's getting through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because, see, you and I don't know what's going on in their life. Amen? But we can sure praise the Lord. No matter the struggle, no matter the difficulty, let's praise the Lord. That's what this, this church was. And then number 10. Well, that's pretty close. <laughs> they devoted to pleasing people. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number. How, how often? Day by day, those who were being what? Wasn't all the apostles doing that. Everybody was telling everybody about the Lord that they had found, and, and they were joyfully telling them, Oh, listen here, man, I, got to, I found the found the Lord. Come on now. They just look at you funny. That's all right. Go on to the next one. I talked to a mom this week who little boy comes on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. We show up at their apartment. He's already outside with his Bible waiting to get on the bus. And I asked his mama, I said, so when am I going to get you to come? Drops her head and she goes, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to work on that. Would you just take the lead of your own son? She goes, boy, he just can't wait to get there. Is that not awesome? That's you, folks. That's your generosity. That's your time and your effort. That's your prayers being answered. We baptized eight kids on Easter Sunday. You don't do that except with prayer and with fasting and with people who are giving and giving of their time and their energies and their talents and all of that and teaching them the Word of God. That's why they make that decision. So, How are we looking? How are we looking about our devotion and pleasing people? You know, sometimes we want to please people before we please God. Got to be very careful about that. Because it's not about people that's important. It's not about having the wealthy sit on the front row and the poor people sit in the back. It's about all of us together doing the work that God's called us to do. That's what it's all about. You know, you can have the most wealthiest person sitting next to you in the mud pit and still come along okay. 
That's what it's all about. You remember the story I've told you where the, where the uh, biker walks in late in the service and all the seats are filled, and he just walks up to the front and sits down eagle style right there on the floor, the front pew, and people are watching him and they're speaking to themselves and whispering. <laughs> and old brother Joe at the very back, been a deacon, an elder in the church. He's a, he's a pillar of the church. He decides that he's going to help this young man. So he gets up and he walks up. And everybody thought, well, he's going to get him by the nap of the neck and drag him out of here. And old brother Joe just sat down next to him and said, can I join you? That's what it's about, isn't it? That's what it's about. I want to close with a video I want you to see, and then we'll have prayer and we'll move on with our day. But this video, just watch it. Just watch it. Did we double click it, Sam? I guess it's not going to work. Yeah. No, it should have been. Should be a lot more action on it now. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just go back to that last slide you had. What this is, is uh, some water buffaloes are walking through and a pride of lions approaches that group of water buffaloes and there's a little calf. And so the lions are trying to work their way around to get the calf. Well, they do. One of them, you know, some are over here and then distract the big, the big water buffaloes and then some come from behind and grab the calf. And as soon as they do, the rest of the water buffaloes will have nothing to do with that. And they come running, and those tigers flee. I just wanted you to see that and how they protected that little calf to make sure that calf was safe. And that's, that's a story for us as a church. We need to find the most vulnerable in our midst and surround them with such power of God that they're going to be safe and never turn them loose and never let the enemy get them. And if you're missing somebody, call them and find out why they're not here. Don't wait for me to call them. You call them. You take responsibility to encourage them. Don't come ask me, hey, why isn't so-and-so been here? I've been missing them. Well, get yourself on the phone and call them. Write them a letter. Send them an email. Text them. Some of you are scared about that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning in a haphazard way trying to look at the first century church and what they looked like. God, my greatest prayer is that we become a church that looks a lot like them. Father, that we are devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to spiritual fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to steadfast prayer, to brotherly love, that we are so full of daily service. We're looking for ways to serve each other. We have purposeful unity. It's obvious that we're in one heart and one mind here. We have joyful simplicity. We are praising you on a daily basis. And, Father, that we just love the folks. We just love the folks. And may our church look like that to the community, but more important, to you. Father, if there's somebody here today that needs to make a decision of some kind, would they do it? In Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's stand and sing our invitation song. And if God is tugging your heart to respond, would you this morning?